Um, <clears throat> Good. Cool. You guys have your lists ready? Uh, it's all in the dome. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's all in the dome. You, I, I'm, you're I'm the only very one who actually like, wrote it down. So. You guys, you guys must have picked good ones then. Memorable. Mostly, it's just like I, I was going to put the 440 that I was working on all day in the crap section because I hate it now. <laughs> okay. Hold on, I need to look up the name of an engine, so I'm not sitting here trying to describe it. So give me one second. All right. Well, this is super weird. This is like, round two. Round two. Yeah. Round two. We're back. Second lap. Yeah. All right. It's well, always harder the second time. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to the Joy Rides Automotive Podcast. I'm Dalen Marish, and I'm joined here in the studio by co-hosts Corey Crispin. Hello. And Tony Irvin. Hello. This week, we're going to do proper introductions since we failed to last week. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. We'll see if we can make what it What do you mean we failed? It didn't go so well. I All thought right. they were pretty freaking good. I thought they were pretty good. I mean, they were good in the sense of like, these are the cars I have. We didn't really do that good of a job explaining like, here's my qualifications. Here's why I'm on a car podcast. You know, not that we have to justify ourselves, but to a certain degree, if we explain like Tony's mechanic, you're a race car driver. I'm just an idiot who really likes cars. You've got the then. jet set automotive. Exactly. Below. And so yeah. that's, that's what we'll kind of go over, but we'll also go over our topic this week, um, which is engines that we really, really like. We might call yes. it the best engines or as Tony referred to it, MILF. Motors I'd like to frick. Exactly. Yeah. Or are we also doing the bad motors too? We can all, Motors we'll, that frick you. We'll also, uh, yeah, I think we should throw bad motors in there, yeah, but as a clarification, motors. If you have a motor that's really good, for mm -hmm. example, or at least does what it's supposed to on the street, if it's not designed for performance or pushing right. it, it, say, for example, they're terrible once you start racing them or adding power. Is that considered a bad motor? I mean, it does I would, what it I would, needs to. I would include that as a, like a sub note, like, hey, you know, this is a great motor for the street, but if you were to take it and race it, it's not going it, it's it's right. to be up already to the task. at its potential. Yep. If if it does what it's supposed to do, then it's going to be a pretty decent motor. Also, just to begin one with. of my engines is really cool, but also an enormous pile of garbage. So there, there's a lot of those. We'll, 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 we'll get to that. Uh, but first off, I'll just say that I'm Dalen Marish. Uh, I've always been a, a huge fan of cars since I started driving. Uh, I've worked at dealerships pretty much since I got out of high school. Uh, currently going to school for digital media, which kind of makes sense. We're doing a podcast here. Uh, right now I work at a place called Jet Set Automotive. We are a, uh, just a dealership that, that has a, a really cool inventory. We specialize in Porsche sales and service, but we also, uh, deal with Mercedes Benz, Audi, um, you name it. Lots of big luxury, big, like, luxury, luxury yeah. performance. Uh, we're kind of dabbling into electric cars as well, which is a nice thing. And our sister store is Duffy's classic cars, which is where N Tony works. Yep. I'm a, I'm a mechanic there. We work on older cars. It's kind of the same thing, but more of like muscle cars and older pre seventies. We have some eighties stuff too. I, uh, I actually went to school at McPherson college for automotive restoration. So that's kind of where I got into it. Uh, I do a little bit of automotive restoration kind of thing uh, where I work. Um, we work on semis and I do a lot of the body work on there. So I've uh, done a lot of repairs, molding fiberglass, uh, Bondo, and just bring uh, stripping things all the way down to bare metal, repainting them, doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, 
So I've, I've learned a lot through there. However, since we only do semis and occasionally a different vehicle, like today I had an F-150, but for the most part, it's either semis or rental like fleet cars. So nothing super interesting comes in. Uh, but I do, I do own, um, a couple of interesting vehicles that we've already gone over and I've been racing stock cars, uh, starting my fifth season here soon. I was going to say, Tony, we are amongst a champion now. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I've got oh, a yeah. uh, stock car championship under my belt. Ooh. One so far. That's all you need. Yeah. More common. Come on. It's more than either of us have right. combined. I don't know. Yeah. Jacob and I have that, uh, Redneck races trophy. That's true. Yeah, it's pretty serious. You want to tell Corey about that? Oh, I, I know about oh, it. Oh, you do. Oh, okay, yeah, good. I've heard you do a El Camino versus Trans Am. Yeah, I lost. <laughs> so I trophy, guess I'm not a tra- uh, The trophy champion. is the 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 trophy is the radio that came in my Trans Am spray painted gold with another trophy glued on top, and then NASCAR on top of that trophy. We cut into an El Camino. That sounds cooler than any trophy I've gotten. So we, we also left the pigtail on the radio just in case someone might want to use that in the future. Yeah. The the gold one or the, the gold one? one. Yeah, okay, you just have to awesome. lacquer thinner off the screen. Oh, I wouldn't do that. I'd leave it gold. Well, then you can't see what you're listening to. But that's okay. All right, you just hear shuffle. It. You just hear it. You know, every time a song comes on, you go, "Yup, Skid Row still." <laughs> you know, I sometimes I don't really listen to the radio in the car. Sometimes I like to just listen to the engine. All right, stop talking. Which brings us to our topic for today: the old milfs engines. Milfs. Milfs. Not the milfs you're thinking of. Nope. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> it's motors. I'd like to fill in the blank. Frick. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're co- we're going with frick instead of the other word just because. Uh, help me out here. We're uh, trying to uh, clean it up. Yeah. You know, just trying to bit. reach a, a, a wider audience. Obviously, so. we're still talking about milfs, so it's yeah, not like <laughs> super clean. But it's not explicit though. Right. Can can we just start with the obvious just to get it out of there? Yeah, yeah. Small block Chevy. Mm-hmm. Good engine. Absolutely. They're going perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Starting 1953. 55. 55. You're right. 54 or 55. You're right. Yeah. Start with like a 260. Those and are the quickly, best ones. Yeah. Definitely the best ones. They're so universal, I think, is right. why everybody loves them. I mean, you can take, you know, just a, a 350 and do. I mean, just about anything with it. There are people that throw them in their, you know, their classic daily drivers. You people throw are racing them. Everything. I mean, they're just, yeah. And, and I mean, back then cars had such a big engine base. You didn't have to deal with all sorts of, uh, you know, accessories in the engine bay. And so it was just, yeah. oh, your motor doesn't work? 350. Mm-hmm. Throw it in. I mean, it's well, it's impossible to have a car before that and at least not even consider a 350 as an option in the thing. I mean, say, for example, it comes stock with like a 455 or something super cool like right. that. 350 is always sitting there waiting for you. It's true. And great thing about 350 and it, like just the 350, it went from 69 up till 2002. So there are just so many engines out there that you can just get parts and stuff for anything. Yeah. And you can, I mean... Parts are available everywhere because um, they went in so many different things. Yeah. I mean, from cars to trucks, um, even SUVs. I believe your grandpa's Suburban has one. Yep. That what what model year is that Suburban? It's a seventy three. Seventy three. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah. didn't they also make marine motors with those? With three fifties. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, our neighbor's got a houseboat with two of them. So, and they're not powerhouses, but they're they get the job done. Mm-hmm. 
which is pretty much all that, I mean, I don't want to say that's all it does, but it definitely gets the job done. For sure. Yeah. So I'm going to take this into the 350's modern cousin. Um, Actually, it's almost more like a child. Uh, We're all thinking this. I'm sure everyone had it on their list in their head. The LS family of engines. (laughs) Not the North Star. The LS family of engines. I mean, the LS1 started it all. uh, 5.7 liters. Just It went into a bunch of different vehicles. Um, You know, the Corvette got it right out the bat and then... Yeah, that got it before anything else, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they got it in '97, and then the following year, '98, uh, um, the Camaro and Trans Am both got them. And then people have been throwing them in everything for a long time. It went into the 2004 GTO as well, although those are made fun of because it got replaced with the LS2 for the following model year. So mm-hmm. you're down a little bit horsepower, only. but the LS2. You know, decent engine. Nothing insanely remarkable about them. Uh, least, just more power. Yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with that. The LS3 went into uh, a lot of different cars. It went into the uh, later Camaros. I don't know what year that started. It might have been right away in 2010 when they yeah. brought the Camaro back. They never built those new Camaros with anything other than the LS3. Okay. So, yeah, 2010. And then uh, one of my favorite vehicles of all time got the LS3. That would be the 2009 Pontiac G8 GXP. So the LS3 is a 6.2? Yes. Yeah. 6.2 liter, made like 440 brake horsepower, I think, around there. in okay. the GXP. And then, of course, you get that paired to a six-speed manual. I mean, you could not be bored in that car. Right. That'd just be amazing. And then, you know, there's so many LS variants that have come after that. And what's amazing is that it really is like a modern rendition of the Chevy Small Block 350. Oh, yeah. Is that it just... You can throw them in anything, and that's been done. There is literally an LS and probably every different thing out there, including a Cessna 172. Yeah, people, I've seen that. Of course, <laughs> Isn't that, that's crazy. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People I haven't seen throw them fly, in anything, but I've seen it. I've seen. I saw a video of it taxiing on the runway. Right. It's yeah, and you, it sounds awesome. It's so universal that it 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 really can go in anything. Yeah, and there's parts available. I mean, there's yeah. just well, just like the small block, the original small block Chevy, it. It came in trucks, it came in sports cars, it came in family cars, it just came in everything. Mm-hmm. So it just works. Is there anything that's not Corvette, Camaro, that I like? I would be surprised that I just maybe wouldn't know that an LS came in? Um, the LS4, the, uh, in the uh, Impala. The Transverse. Oh, yeah. One. Uh, See, and those that are- one in the Grand Prix G, uh, GXP as well. Really? Yeah. Which had the, I believe... The 4T65 transmission, so glass, yep. they broke them all the That's time. That's right, we talked about this last yeah. week. They they said that they, they put the LS4 right at 300 horsepower because that was the limit of the transmission. It couldn't handle anything more. Yeah, I mean, you do anything more than that and you start breaking stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It's a Not, Grand Prix, you just swap the trans. Yeah. But then uh, the, the LS4 is a little different because it doesn't bolt up to the same bell housing as a normal LS. Really? Yeah. It's a it's the metric style, so it's a V six. Oh, because they yeah. had to use existing gearboxes. Yeah, because okay. it's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would like to just throw a little off topic, but LS, it, it, it's kind of weird that there's one, two, three, four, and then there's seven. Is there an LS six? There's an LS six. LS yeah, six, which came came out around the same time as the LS one. It was right. like right after. And then there's the LS seven. Then there's an LS nine, and they're not really in any order. Yeah, and then there's when it's they kind came of German. Out. Yeah, it's a little bizarre. <laughs> it's like Windows. It's just kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here's a number. Just throw it. iPhone. On there. 
Did they do they, that? Didn't they skip? They, they went skip straight nine, from like right? eight to like ten. Uh, yeah. Because it's 10 year anniversary, mm-hmm. some garbage. I didn't know that. But then now they have the LT motors, which is kind of also confusing because in the 90s they had the LT motor. Which yeah, was the just, LT1 yeah. was in your Camaro. Yep. And uh, very short run. That was in the Corvette from 93 to 96. Was, might have been 92, actually. 92 to 96. I, I know they did it before the Camaros. And they're great motors. And uh, they just had a couple problems. Yeah. I mean, people have done incredible uh times with them at a drag strip i mean you oh. can build them you can do crazy stuff with them oh yeah for a little bit the the world's quickest stick shift gm car was an lt1 yeah just because it was a fourth gen camaro yeah yeah hmm. but really the common thing is get rid of that opti spark yeah oh, the opti yeah. spark system yeah. fail all the time yeah. Yeah. yeah so now i've never had an issue with my opti spark and i've heard a lot of the issues from water getting in there and in like 95 or something they put a vent in there to get the water out and I would imagine that would do a pretty good job just for street use. You know, you're not doing anything crazy. Sure. Yeah. Well, unless you are. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that the the LT1 was in those fourth gen cars and they're like, oh, yeah, if this thing gets wet, it has issues. What do we need? Hood vents. They just <laughs> well, it, <laughs> they it kept a, putting scoops and everything on there. Yeah. That was a little bit of an oversight. Just allowing more water into the engine. But I I will say, though. And my LT1 was rated at like 260 horsepower, 270 horsepower, some garbage, but it is a hell of a lot different than my small block Chevy now. It, it's so much more power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, that thing was a burnout machine. That's all it could do. All right. You guys right. kind of took this the easy route, so I'm going to do the same exact thing. Uh, the BMW N52, which is what's in my one series. Just six cylinder? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. You no, know, you chose your small block Chevy. You chose your LS. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say my engine. So <clears throat> the N52, are you guys familiar with these at all? Other than the fact that it's a six cylinder, then no. Didn't think so. So I'll tell you a little bit about them. Uh, they were produced from 2004 to 2015. They were available in 2.5 or three liters. Three liters is the way to go. You don't want the 2.5. Why is that? Come on. You just want the full oh, three more, liters. More I actually didn't know right? that they made a two and a half. They did. That's what's in like 325i. On the 525i? Like E90, E60. Are those the twin turbo okay. ones? No, those ones are just a 2.5 that's liter. The, that's the S52, right? Uh, Where no, your turbo cars? No, so an S52 is also a naturally aspirated motor. It's an M motor. The N50, or yeah, the N54 is your twin turbo. That's right. Yeah. Because the N52 and the N54 were... They're similar. It's a three and a half. No, three liters. The N54 is? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I figured that that was the three and a half that went in the uh, 135i. No, the 135i got a three liter twin turbo. Oh, so mm-hmm. the name's a lie? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes big sense. Lie. Big lie. Can I just say, these German engineers that name this shit need to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing until you understand it. You just kind of have to study it, look into it, and you'll get it. But, uh, these N52s, they were one of the first engines to have the upper portion of the block made out of a magnesium alloy. Oh, and really? And then the lower portion of the block uh, is actually made out of aluminum. The reason they did that was lightness, but mm-hmm. magnesium is incredibly corrosive. So that's why the uh, lower portion of the block is made out of aluminum. Yeah. Uh, they've got steel bearing journals, uh, and they're actually glued to the block. Kind of interesting. And they have Alusil cylinder liners. It's okay. like an aluminum silicon liner. Right. Uh, the engine is 22 pounds lighter than the one, the generation before. So the one it replaced. Hmm. 
Uh, it's got a variable electric water pump. It's got uh, th- these little DISA flaps. Mm-hmm. It's just like a three-stage intake manifold, kind of directs airflow. So some interesting technology. Uh, it's got a cast magnesium valve cover. And the highest output version made 272 horsepower at 6650, and that was in the X3, which isn't That's a ton, not a ton of power, but right. it's a corporate motor. You so know. 220? Uh, 272. 272. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty decent. So, I mean, it's decent for a corporate motor that goes in your 3 Series, 5 Series. Right. Uh, I don't want to say entry level, but it's pretty low on right. the yeah, list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a basic engine. Yeah. It's the base that's most engine good, above good their four-cylinder models. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other things I really had was, uh, just that it's, yeah, you know, the one thirty fives or the three thirty fives make incredible amounts of power. They come from the factory at like 300. There's people out there making 500 plus with right. them. And you know, these are on little lightweight cars that weigh like 3000 pounds. So really the big draw to the N 52 is that you don't have any of the turbo problems that you mm-hmm. would have with the 54. Uh, there's no high pressure fuel pump like there is with the 54. And there's no direct injection. So really, you're kind of getting a little bit more reliable, about as reliable as a German engine can get yeah. without any of the problems. But, you know, you get the drawback of of less power. The only other really, really the only other problems that these engines have is that they get kind of clattery when air gets in the lifters. And the big way to deal with that and the way that apparently the actual dealerships will deal with it is just warm the car up and then let it sit at 3,500 RPM for a couple of minutes. And then it bleeds it. Oh. Problem over. All right. Uh, and the one annoying thing, Corey knows about this. They've got a lot of single-use aluminum bolts. They're oh. everywhere. Yeah. Those are the ones that snap off when they're like... If you, you put o- them in and o- they crush, mm-hmm. like they crush to kind of yeah. fit in there a little bit better. It's like um, a, what do they call it? Torque to yield? Yep. 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 And if you over-torque them, yeah, you'll use. break them. I have heard, and I'm not sure, I don't want to like, this isn't a for sure thing but mm-hmm. those er- early those 80s supras that have the one jz in them mm-hmm. they had an issue where they had torque to yield head bolts that weren't enough torque yeah I so they think, blow head gaskets i think i have heard that yeah i think jake was telling me because he had a two oh. jz in yeah, his of course he is did. 300 yeah I think he was telling me about that the only other problem with these engines is just normal bmw stuff so right. oil leaks stuff like that new car stuff yeah any any car stuff let's right. be honest yeah yeah, but uh, that's the surprisingly that's the only BMW engine I had listed. I think most of BMW's historic naturally aspirated inline sixes were pretty good engines. Um, I mean, they made the Ward's top ten engines list a lot of years, so they were just pretty good in general. Let me pop in the M20 right there. Oh yeah, so I have one of these things. Um, they're very easy to work on. There's like one uh vacuum hose that comes off of the valve cover and kind of snakes underneath the intake manifold before going up that is incredibly annoying to swap when it's dry and brittle and there's just no room to get it out actually ended up pulling the entire intake uh with Dalen to get that thing out of there it was such a pain for a hose yeah for a vacuum (laughs) hose but everything else on the engine is actually um very simple we adjusted all of uh the valves in like 20 minutes i mean it takes Hardly any time to work on stuff. Everything's, aside from that one hose, everything's very accessible. Um, a lot of BMW uh, fans, like in the E30 groups that I'm in, like to say, oh, this thing's super reliable. But then 
you look and there's a post because this went wrong and then another post because this went wrong. Like just constantly little things. Uh, They're old now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's definitely um, that's definitely a note right there just because it is old. Uh, I wasn't alive when these things were new, but I'm sure that they were pretty great back then. Uh, the big downside is that they make like 130 horsepower, which is Ooh. not a lot. They have like very small power outputs. Um, this is in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So For that- a two and a half liter six cylinder. I mean, you got to think Dalen's engine is like almost the same configuration, but twice the output. Yeah. And that just comes with technologies that. You know they they develop over time. Yeah, they're they're Double limited cams, on uh, a lot of stuff. Valve timing on both cams, valve lift. The cams on my engine are hollow, by the way. I don't know. Really? If I, I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. What is the advantage to that other than less Lightness, rotating weight? I guess. I don't. That's it. I don't really. Yeah, well, I, think I guess with less rotating weight, it will uh, quicker revs. Yeah, rev up and and drop those revs actually yeah. quite a bit faster. Because I've noticed that when I go to shift, my revs drop like almost immediately. That's a that's an inline thing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot no. of V engines don't really want to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's typical. There are exceptions, of course, to that. I mean, you look at like a Formula One engine, even though they use like a V6 layout, those things rev up and down insanely fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm curious now if there's any company that's ever had a hollow cam so that they could run oil through it and like oil their mm-hmm. lifters and stuff. Yeah, that's, that way. that's curious. Yeah, I don't know. I would Just hate for that to fail. That. Right. Oh, yeah. There's just a bunch of crappy old oil stuck inside of it. And then well, you, yeah, it's all boogered up yeah. and your cam doesn't want to roll over. Yeah. And just, well, you know, there's like some thirties, like Duesenberg one off. That's like, Oh, we're going to do this. It's only going to last thousand miles. Right. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely exists. They said some guy's going to pay for this and it's the great depression. So he's going to sell it off anyway. Yeah. Just like, he's never going to make it. Let's oil send change. oil through the cam. See if it works. Yeah. You know, on the top, we're going to get off of engines here just a little bit. Okay. Duesenberg was the first company to have uh, uh, hydraulic brakes. And instead of running brake lines, they have a hole cast and drilled through the whole cross member for the front that goes up through the kingpins into the brakes. That's amazing. Yeah. Imagine that not working. Yeah. <laughs> At least on the bright side, uh, it shouldn't rust very fast. Oh, no. Like, it's not like it's going to rust out and... Uh, lose all of your brake pressure that right. happened to me and that sucks yeah in the parking lot of the auto parts store yeah it was hilarious <laughs> i went into the auto parts store to go very far <laughs> yeah um i was in there actually because one of my pop-up headlights failed you know big surprise and uh as i'm leaving um i didn't notice anything like you know pushed in the clutch put it in reverse and i roll back and as i'm like out of my spot i go to push in the brake straight to the floor yep been and there, there was just a pile of fluid underneath and I was just, I don't know. I was like, why did this have to happen? Definitely been there. Boys, I, you got one? I got one. All right. I'm going to keep it German too. Okay. Okay. Porsche air-cooled flat sixes. I'm going to be Ryan here. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry to swear. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> so Porsche flat sixes, very similar to the small block Chevy because they used that from like, 1964 or something all the way till 90 like six yeah and for the most part parts are interchangeable right they came in any configuration you possibly i think they were like two liter up to like a four liter you can build you can mix and match parts all you want build Mm -hmm. strokers and de-stroked and 
And then even the ones with like the mechanical fuel injection that everyone says like garbage and doesn't work and all that. Like it's, it's a really good setup. I've, I've taken a couple apart that were like 200,000 miles mm -hmm. and still everything's within spec. You can still use everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that a Bosch mechanical fuel injection? It is a Bosch mechanical fuel injection. Uh, I believe it's Bosch. I know that the, uh, like the nine fourteens, they had a Bosch, uh, EFI setup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Is that like their, um, it's their D jet tronic. Oh, they also had like, they also had like J jet tronic. Okay. But the Better D than Motronic, right? The you what? Have, you have Motronic. What the hell's Motronic? <laughs> That's what the M20 uses. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Okay. Cause they had like D jet, K jet, yeah, they they had a lot of L jet. Oh, L jet. That was yeah. the one that was on the uh like 1.8s. Do any of those letters mean anything or was it just the Germans so they I don't okay. really know. pick something in there? I know D jet. D is some German word. I don't remember what it stands for, but I'm it's sure like they're all vacuum or something. Like that because that one uses vacuum and all sorts of garbage. But the mechanical fuel injection, my my buddy who was uh it was his engine, he was going through how it works and it's a pretty slick design. It, like when it works, it works great. Obviously parts are expensive and that's the big thing, but it, it helps your engine last a lot longer. Those engines are super cool. Um, yeah. Just to see how it had changed over the years and really Porsche got their money's worth on that. You oh know? yeah, definitely. Like just, and they really, really worked that engine to make every ounce of power it could. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those four liters cool. make like, crazy horsepower for yeah. an air cooled even going into the 90s mm -hmm. an air cooled engine mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy i don't know a ton mechanically about those engines i mean you've listed off more than i know uh but i will say they sound amazing yes i mean those porsche sixes just yeah you, you can't beat that sound they sound just absolutely they, they awesome. have their own sound Plus having, and I know this because of motorcycles, having an air-cooled engine as opposed to a water-cooled, the, the water muffles a lot of the sound from like the internals of the engine working that you can't hear otherwise. Mm. So just being in an air-cooled engine, just first startup, you hear a lot more noises and it's definitely something you have to get used to driving it, but it does sound really cool. Mm -hmm. I've heard um, actually a big storm of those things uh, parade through Road America. Oh, yeah amazing sound i mean you can hear them coming down uh like i was um right between uh if you know anything about road america i was right between nothing, uh nothing hurry downs and um the carousel mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of just porsches like 70s 80s 90s porsches just racing through there it sounds fantastic oh yeah yeah i mean it, it's a sound that like you you just recognize it. You don't even have to be looking at the track mm -hmm. and you just know, oh, hey, there's Porsches on track right now. I love those cars and I love driving those cars. I drove that 73 911E that we have from mm -hmm. Cedar Rapids down to Iowa City and back. Which, was that the, the silver one? Silver one? Okay, oh, yeah, it's that just, cool. It's such a glorious, glorious car to yeah. drive. And anybody can drive them. I mean, you can oh, be yeah. my height and fit in it perfectly fine. You can be Corey's height. Corey, you're, I, I'm 5'7". Corey, you're how tall? 6'3". Yeah, you can, you can fit in one yeah. of those cars easily. Yeah, see, my... Actually, the car that I learned to drive stick on was my dad's 68 912, mm -hmm. which 911 body with the four cylinder in it. So it's kind of a turd, but my dad's six foot tall and like 200 pounds. He fits in that just fine. Yeah. 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 Those cars are awesome. They're a lot of fun. 
In the same regard on flat motors, boys, I got a weird one for you. Oh, boy. This is the BRM P75. You ever heard of this? What did that come in? It sounds familiar. The Lotus 43 Formula One car. Nope, never heard of it. Okay. These engines were produced from 1966 to 1968. They were a three liter H16, which was just two flat eights stacked on top of each other and oh, geared together. Yeah. This was before Formula One had like an engine standard. Yeah. So they were, they were just building crazy things. Ferrari was just like, hey, how many revs can we get out of a, a six cylinder? You know what? We'll make it a 12 cylinder. And they just, I mean... You, I've I've never listened to any of these cars like on a track, but I can imagine that it's like you know the mid '60s, and you're at a Formula One race, and you just hear this Lotus Ferrari, just uh, Mercedes was in it back then. Um, just hearing all of that coming down the track, then just be insane. With the like, not, it wasn't Formula One, but you're familiar with the Auto Union. Uh, op- I don't know what it's called. That open wheel car. Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking so, about. Those, I know they had a V12 and a V16 model, but just a weird thing about it, it had one in-block cam and two overhead cams. So the intake was it push rod and the exhaust was overhead just so that they could fit the drive shaft through the middle. Really? That is yeah. amazing. That's insane. Bizarre. I would hope it's reliable. No. Well, if you want to get into reliability, let me tell you about this engine. So uh, starting out, they weighed 555 pounds. That's The engine or the whole car? The the engine. Oh, Lord. That's a heavy Uh, engine. By the end, though, they got a lightweight version that weighed 398, which is better. That's that's not horrible, That's still pretty heavy compared to the competition of F1 at that point in time. They were fuel injected. Uh, They hit peak power at 10,500 RPM. And as far as power goes, the first year models made 390 horsepower. But in 1967, they updated it to a very nice 420 horsepower. Yeah. They featured dual radiators because, of course, they did. Uh, Dual fuel metering units, uh, dual distributors, dual water pumps. And they had an extremely narrow power band. All right. This is where we get into the fun part. Uh, They were raced by Jackie Stewart, Jim Clark, and Graham Hill. Don't know who any of those people are. All three of them are legendary. they're, They're big legends. But this engine had one really, really, really fatal problem. The crank would disconnect and fly off inside of the engine. Yeah. <laughs> and it happened on multiple occasions. You want to know how, how often it happened? How often? They entered this car or this engine in 40 races in two different cars. So there were, it was in some Lotus cars. It was in a couple of BRM cars. They entered it in 40 races. It only finished 10 of those races. Ooh. It was that common. Just <laughs> like Jackie Stewart's ripping around Monaco. And he's like, I wonder if the crank's going to leave on this lap. <laughs> Pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's a terrible like uh, reliability history if it's if it's finishing 25 percent of what it enters. But well, I love the concept of two flat eights stacked on top of each other and geared together. Making to me, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, the BMW. What was it? The 850 that had uh, two inline sixes. Yeah. And the they just said 12. Basically, what yeah, it was. two batteries, uh, two alternators, two water pumps They mm-hmm. just took two engines and decided. Boom. To They're combine now one. them right in the middle. We had one of now those kiss. at Duffy's a couple years now ago, too. Kiss. Those are sweet. Those are sweet. It was very underwhelming. I don't really? know if that one was just garbage or well, it had like, an auto. Yeah. yeah it, was it was like an a auto. four speed auto. Yeah. The, on the whole H16, I know in a lot of bombers in like World War II, they use like 22 liter H20s and like, because, you know, 
back in the 40s, the way that you get more power is more displacement, more yep. cylinders. It was like Rolls Royce made like a, uh, what was the, it? It was the like Merlin. A, it was like a 42. Oh, the Merlin. The Merlins that are just the, crazy. Uh, Mustang motor, wasn't it? Yep. It's like a 20 liter V16 or mm-hmm. V12. Someone yeah. Like, they yeah. took stuff like that. They put it in the P51. Uh, yep. It went in the Bu fighter. Like the RAF was just obsessed with like, what if we just had a massive V16 in the engine? Like a lot in of the, those in the plane. And they just kept doing that. And uh, Rolls Royce was actually producing um, those insane engines. And it makes you wonder, why didn't they choose to put it in a car? It'd be so cool. There are people who put them in cars, but they never came in them, Insane obviously. Insane people. Yes. Yeah, there's some crazy people that did um, that. I'm going to have to think of the manufacturer, but a lot of those V16s were made in, or V12, I can't remember which one it is. A lot the of them- The Merlin engine? Yes. I believe it was a V12. Okay. A lot of them were made in America, actually. Hmm. Um, One of the major car manufacturers, I can't remember what it was, but it's not one that's around now, bought the design- converted it to standard and then just made those really for bombers and stuff. And I think those are the ones that made like 1800 horsepower. Mm. They also had two speed superchargers. It was just kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering, um, you said it's not around, but I was, I was wondering if it was either uh, Ford uh, Pontiac or Packard, because I know all three of them. I think it was Packard. Packard? All three of them uh, had a really, really big war effort in World War II. Everybody did. I mean, you had to. I don't think Pontiac made cars for like four years, from like 41 to 45. Uh, They just didn't make cars. Anybody made cars after like 42. I believe there was a a government thing. It was like, okay, every all production is going towards the war effort. Hey, please build a tank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's just kind of how it went. A, A lot of people, they like, the government said, okay, you have to give us like... I don't think it was that you have to, but it was like, we're going to buy your car from you kind of thing because we need the steel. You're going to donate this or something. That's why a lot of the pre-war cars never like survived. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back because we <laughs> mentioned we're, we're, we're on the World War II engine topic. And so I actually just had to quickly, uh, this wasn't in my head, but it made me think of it. So I had to quickly search it. Um, the M4 Sherman, the tank everybody knows and loves, you know, yeah. you picture a tank in your head and it's probably a Sherman that, that sure. you visualize just because you know they're or so Abrams. popular right that's if you're a modern guy okay <laughs> before the abrams the sherman was the tank mm-hmm. um i mean it wasn't like the coolest tank out there like a tiger or anything like that but it was the american tank um it used a uh, nine cylinder radial engine and it produced 350 horsepower at 2400 rpm and so these things were barely turning over, but they were producing pretty good numbers. And um, I remember hearing that they actually, uh, they replaced that engine with some absolutely massive Ford V8. Uh, I don't know the displacement. Uh, hmm. Absolutely me, massive. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to look at uh, right here. See Huge if liters. That's, that's what the displacement is. Absolute liters. There, there actually was the one guy who put one of those, massive ford v8s in a mustang hmm. because i've seen that there's another one that went into a crown vic of course there was. the entire front clip is on the ground i hope it's like a 90s cop car it was yeah like late 90s early 2000s and it oh, was like black with like the white doors and it just had this absolutely massive engine in it just yeah. shoving the thing to the ground we're talking military engines i'm going to talk about one that tried to be a military engine but failed ultimately mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Lamborghini V12. Yep. 
uh, ran from 1963 to 2009, which is insane. They don't make a V12 anymore? They they do, oh, but they it's, a, it's a second generation. Okay, it's yeah, a yeah. full ground up rebuild. It's not the same thing anymore. Yeah. Um, you got something? I found that engine. Okay. That, that Ford engine. I had to look it up. Uh, it's called the Ford GAA, and it is a 32-valve dual overhead cam, 60-degree liquid-cooled V8 um, flat plane crank. Uh, I'm sure it did not sound like a Ferrari. Uh, it was Sounds 18. Like a Lotus. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bring that up here. It was in a minute. 18 liters and produced a thousand pound feet of torque. Yeah, <laughs> this was in the 40s. Wow, could you imagine like if Dodge was using that thing back then? You know, they were just like, oh, you know, uh, this new Ram. I don't even know what they called. Was it like the Dodge D100 or something like that at the um, time? At the time, in I the don't 40s, know. they yeah. had a power I- wagon. I don't, that might have been World War II. I, yeah, I don't think they had the D100 until like the 60s. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know about those old trucks, but... World War, World War II. Yeah, you know, if yeah. Dodge if Dodge back then was managed by the same person that manages Dodge today, you know that they would have put this absolutely massive engine into it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's just what they do. For sure. Uh, back to the, the Lamborghini V12. Uh, like I said, 1963 to 2009. They do have a current one, but it's a, a ground up rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting displacement was 3.5 liters. They worked their way up to six and a half liters. Uh, it was in Lamborghini's first car is their debut car, the 350 GT, which is the one. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's got yeah, it looks very lights. different than any yeah, other. It, it definitely doesn't look like a Lamborghini. It's like a, a grand touring car. Yeah. Um, they started out 270 horsepower, which is pretty good for 1963. Is that the same V12 in the Mayura? Okay, cool. Yeah, it was like 350 GT up to the, I think they made like a 400 GT, which is bigger engine variant to that. Right. Mira, Countach, LM002, which is how I related this back the to The Countach yeah. got it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. Uh, I, I did not know that. Yeah, it went all the way up to Murcielago. It was in Diablo, but it, the last iteration of it was Murcielago, which had 690 horsepower. Right, those are crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one in the... Miura, that was transverse, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. mounted in the rear. Yeah, um, it was. Used a transaxle. Uh, those are such cool cars. They are. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I love the Miura. That is like one of the coolest cars of that era. It's one of the coolest Lamborghinis. You know, Panama by Van Halen? Yeah. You know, the engine revving in like the middle of the song? That was that Eddie's. One? It's Eddie's uh, yeah. Miura S. Yep. That was in Sammy Hagar's book, actually. He was talked it really? about it. Yeah. Um, he was, he was saying like Eddie told him the story about how they took that thing. Like, uh, they were downtown, like LA or whatever. Like you'd think that they did this like in a garage, or, like a studio with a professional mic, um, or like, you know, a very professional setup. No, they were just downtown. Eddie was just revving the thing and they recorded him revving it and they decided like, oh yeah, that's, that's going on the record. That sounds cool. I, I love the, the crossover of like rock stars and, uh, cool cars like, um, I believe it is a Lamborghini Mira that uh, Sammy Hagar is driving in his I Can't Drive 55 video. Mm. And apparently after that video, um, he made enough money that I actually bought the car from the guy that he was borrowing it from. Um, and then later picked up, that car made him just love ridiculous supercars. So he picked up one of those, uh, what is that called? The Cezetta Morador V16T. Uh, the, yeah, the Chizetta. I think, is I that think how it's pronounced? It, Chizetta? I believe so. I could be wrong. I'm I not a, Italian, but yeah. But it's the V16 car. Have you seen this? No. 
I'll pull one up here for it's you. It's the car with the dual pop-ups. Oh, yep. I yeah. know what you're talking about now. Yeah, that thing's nuts. Yeah, that thing's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, have you seen the um, Devil 16? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, where it's, it's V16 LS based. Is that real though? No. Yeah, I was going to say, there's been like some... Yep, I've seen that. There's been yeah, some belief that such a the cool Devil car. 16 might not be real. Okay, here's the thing. Vaporware. Their, their claims aren't what? real. But uh, like, unless they're just really good at like faking shit, which I guess there's plenty of people out there who do that, but it looks like they built a V16 out of LS motors. Mm -hmm. Now, does it make 5,000 horsepower? Probably not, but you know, there's pictures out there. It's cool enough that I can believe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, Lotus V8. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the one that came in the Lotus Esprit. Literally the only car that got this engine, <laughs> like a three and a half liter quad cam, all this flat plane, can't just plane. For the it's unique. And just the the last the couple of years of a spree. Yeah, twin turbo. The race variant was five hundred and fifty horsepower. The street variant is like three hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool engine. They sound great. The, oh, oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. It's weird that they uh, didn't hardly use it. You'd think that some company would be like, "Hey, I want that Toyota thing. after." After that, you right? Know, I, yep. Toyota yep. The Elise is Toyota. Mm-hmm. I think the whole point was just they were gonna. It was a race motor. It never came in any street cars, and mm-hmm. there was like, we'll put it in the Esprit. Okay, makes sense. Go for it. I gotcha. I tried drive. We we have one of those Esprits. Yeah, at uh, Jet Set now. You sent I, me pictures of that thing when you got it's, it. It's, it's, it's a cool so, car. So cool. Tried driving it. Clutch is very tricky. Takes some getting used to. I'm is sure it like, did. Is it one it of those is. ones where it's like an on-off switch? Yeah, and it's just. I don't really know how to explain it. You just have to try it. I'm not sure if they'll let you. <laughs> just walk I in. Especially since it's not one that we're selling. Yeah. It's for the owner. Yeah, so. belongs to the owner. Oh, it's for the owner. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. Bought it at <laughs> Monterey. Monterey. All right, I'm going to take you to a more boring engine, but we were talking about great engines. That's the point of this episode. So I'm going to take you to a really good one. Um, I didn't know the name of it. Had to look it up. This is the uh, three and a half liter two GRFE mm. V6. Mm-hmm. Um, it went into the Toyota Sienna and uh, Toyota Camry. It, it's very basic. You know, it's just three and a half liter V6. Like how good could it be? Except these things you can just beat the piss out of. You can take them 300,000 miles. The only thing that really sucks uh is at least on the one that I have owned is that the belts, not so much the timing belt, but uh, your accessory belts just like to go out all the time. They're just, I don't know if there's some sort of other underlying issue, nor do I really care because they're a cheap belt and you can swap them in minutes, but they just constantly, it's like every year this thing starts squealing again. I don't, didn't they mount <laughs> those longitudinally in like forerunners? Oh, they might have. That would definitely... Uh, I think there was also a common thing where you take the supercharger from a 3800 and put it on there. Yeah. We're supercharging your van this winter. <laughs> we totally should. Yeah, uh, that, thing, that thing made it um, to Ohio and back. We left the house with uh, three warning lights on the dash and returned with five. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it, was, it was a good trip, though. How many miles are on that van? Um, I haven't driven it since probably December. When we took it to Ohio, but that was that was a ten hour trip, and it had two hundred eighty nine thousand when we got back. 
And yes, I, I would take it to Ohio and back again. It's it's that trustworthy. The thing's yeah. been up and through and around Canada several times. I trust that van. So can we just put every single Toyota engine on this list? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all pretty... Except I know Toyota has a few inline fours that like to burn oil and just do whatever. Yeah, but they'll burn yeah, but, oil for 300,000 miles. Right. The, <laughs> the way you get them to stop burning oil is just stop putting it in there. <laughs> keep you going. prevent doing an actual oil change. Just keep topping it off. Change the filter every few years. You're good. Right. See, because my next engine, another Toyota, that 2F uh, straight six, it comes in the uh, Land Cruisers, not oh, Land Cruisers, the nah. little uh, FJs. Uh, yeah. 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 It might have came in the Land Cruisers too. I don't know. But... um. I know that engine is a Chevy straight six from the fifties that Toyota bought, converted to metric, really? put all of their money into metallurgy and then has a easily 250,000, 300,000 mile engine. That's awesome. We can get yeah. back to that in a second, but same thing kind of happened with the Rover V8. Yeah. It was a Buick 215. Buick 215. And they turned into like a four liter eventually, but did they? Yeah. It started yeah. out as a three and a half liter, which is a 215. Right. Um, turns out three and a half liters just a good displacement yeah and it kind of i don't know if it revolutionized britain but it was like a v8 engine for you know the uk right it went into a ton of rover products you get it in an mgb you can get in a morgan yeah that would be amazing yeah in an mgb well and a morgan uh unless the whole chassis is wood and it breaks the whole chassis is wood they only made 200 horsepower but it was turbocharged and propane (laughs) <laughs> so yeah talk about weird <laughs> well i told you this uh this toyota v6 was boring and you asked if it went in the forerunner mm-hmm. um yeah uh no it went in the rav4 okay so i, I had to look it up the rav4 GRFE? yes okay yeah it went in the rav4 the avalon the camry the sienna you know all the obvious ones uh and then it also i did not know this um it went in the Lotus Evora GTE. Yep. They modified it to a four liter version that made 470 horsepower naturally aspirated and they used it in the 24 hours of Lamar. Gotcha. That would be pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, whatever, whatever that variant is, I don't know if it's like a swap of the head or something like that. Uh, we need to do that to the van. It'd be really interesting. We could get to Ohio way faster. <laughs> Way faster. Way so that kind of dives into how Toyota names their engines. Um, so their FE is their more fuel efficient oriented engines, but then their GE, so like the 2JZ GE, that's their performance oriented. What does GE stand for? Anything? I have no idea. Good engine. It's not FE. It's <laughs> good GE. engine. Good. <laughs> they, they went from German where they use numbers and letters like crazy to, mm-hmm. they were going to name this one good Mm-hmm. This, this one's bad. This is good engine, good. and this is uh, fuel efficient. I've got another reliable engine for you guys. The Mercedes-Benz OM617, that inline five diesel that just I was going to say that earlier. Those things go to 300K. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Same fuel injection setup mm-hmm. as that Porsche. I have heard that since these are diesels and they don't really need like spark plugs and stuff, if you wanted to like just quick wire something in, all you really need is power to the starter. Really? If like. Because it's mechanical fuel injection, it just starts injecting mm-hmm. as it spins. Right. There's really nothing that needs power. They're produced from 1974 to 1991. So like you said, super simple on electronics. They were only three liters. You only get a three liter. Inline five, they made 79 to 227 horsepower, which isn't bad. 124 to 184 uh, foot-pounds of torque. 
They're just absolutely one of the most reliable engines of all time. They've been known to go beyond 600,000 miles without needing a rebuild, which is insane. Right. So let me let me say that uh, I have driven one of these cars with the turbocharger, and it is very slow. Yeah. Extremely <laughs> slow. You can put your foot all the way to the floor, and you wouldn't tell a difference. But compared to like contemporary diesels, they were actually pretty powerful and just way more reliable. Th- this thing is like Oldsmobile. Was it Oldsmobile who had that diesel V8? That yeah, was just a, a complete a pile of garbage. V8 <laughs> yeah. with those diesel. It was just a gasoline engine converted to diesel. Yeah, right? but it's cool. It is cool. There yeah, are I wouldn't garbage. call it a good engine, but I'd call it a cool engine. It's definitely interesting. These engines made Mercedes Benz very popular in the U.S. in the 1980s with yeah. the fuel crisis, everything like that. And fun little fact, I'm sure you guys know this, but these engines are kind of known for being able to run on vegetable oil Mm -hmm. and biodiesel. But if you don't process that stuff properly, you can kind of damage the engine. But still, it's it's crazy that you can just dump whatever you want in there. Yeah, I've I've heard you just cut it with actual diesel. Oh, really? Like two parts vegetable oil and then the rest diesel. Really? Like eight parts diesel, whatever. Hmm. However the math works. Yeah. And yeah, it just burns it. Doesn't care. (laughs) that's amazing it's crazy engine just eats anything right now i've got another toyota one Mm -hmm. one uz v8 okay okay probably the most over-engineered v8 Mm -hmm. ever is that the one that goes in the ls400 ls400 yep uh god i can't remember the displacement on those but they're like four liter four liter okay that makes sense because 400 yeah uh they're like every single year after they came out, I think they said they spent like a billion dollars like developing this Mm -hmm. every single year after it came out, the connecting rods got smaller and smaller and smaller because they over-engineered the first year so much that like by the last year of the one UZ, they were so much smaller that the red line is like 500 RPM higher. They also made, they tried to do a Le Mans car with a mid engine. I mean, it's going to be already already mid engine, but an MR2 with a 1UZ twin turbo extended. Oh my God. Yeah. Where can I get my hand Could you on imagine heading down Mulsanne straight and you go into that kink and it just snap over his tears? I would well, not well, trust if you, an if MR2. You extend the wheelbase like of an MR2. Yeah. Now, imagine being in Le Mans in like some really expensive Ferrari and an MR2 passes you. Imagine how pissed <laughs> you'd be. got one headlight up, one headlight <laughs> down. <laughs> it's burning oil as we speak. Right. Uh, but that another, rust falling off, rust falling off. That's another engine that's like easily a two hundred fifty thousand mile. At two hundred fifty thousand miles, it's still going just mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, for sure. Most over engineered engine. Yeah. Did you ever see the advertisement they did with those with the they, champagne yeah, glasses? They stacked the champagne yeah. glasses on top. That of that it. was pretty cool. I don't know if it was actually running in the commercial. I I think it was on like a dyno. Was it? Yeah, it was driving. Oh, and it's okay. just so it's so smooth, smooth that so they just balanced. sit there. It's it was a Mercedes competitor. Yeah. Yeah, and now they're like four thousand dollars because it's a nineties luxury car. Still, they'll go forever. Yeah, and that's awesome. Couldn't you also get that? They made like the SC four hundred. Yes, they made the like, coupe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the the three hundred had the two JZ. Mm-hmm. The four hundred had the one LE. Or the one UZ or whatever it was. I'm yeah. confusing a lot of stuff. But yeah. Apparently, the one UZ is a very common dirt track motor in Australia. So there's a lot of like, like carburetor intakes and like dirt track stuff That's for one awesome. UZs. 
Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. They're pretty cool. I really want one just because they're badass. Are we going to take a Joyrides trip down to Australia and watch some dirt racing? With if somebody Z's? else would <laughs> I'm going to come back it. with a lot of parts. If somebody See, this else is why we need advertisers. It. Yeah, right? <laughs> Someone send us to Australia and uh, send us with a, with a big plane that can hold a lot of Commodore parts. <laughs> <laughs> just I need it all. Pay for us to ship back Commodores. Yeah. Just we each grab a Commodore, bring it back. That'd be sweet. I'd have to get a Ute. Yeah, imagine Ute races. Oh, yeah. Like an LS3 Ute. That's what I need. Right-hand drive, six-speed manual. Would yeah. you go uh, VE or VF? I don't know what that means. So VF? All right. Okay, That's good. the one, the Chevy SS body oh, style. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that works. I'm fine with that one. Those are pretty sweet. You guys ever heard of the Mazda Millennia? Maybe. Perhaps. Kind of shitty, like, 90s car. Well, that's every Mazda. Right. This <laughs> Mazda Millennia was the only car that came, only car, that it was called different things overseas, but this was the only car in the U.S. we could get with the Mazda KJZEM. This engine was double overhead cam, was supercharged, and it ran on the Miller cycle. Know what the Miller cycle is? You is pour it, beer in it. Is that not a motorcycle? <laughs> no, the Miller cycle... It's almost uh, a motorcycle, right? It's a right? beer motorcycle. That's what it we is. We got it figured it, out. It's a delivery bike. They just put like a 12-pack on the back and then run it yeah. to you and they say, ah, oh, cool, the Miller Cycle's here. They go, here, this is for your Mazda. <laughs> <laughs> the Miller Cycle was developed in 1957 by some guy named Miller. Uh, Shocker. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was used on ship engines and trains for a while, but then Mazda decided, hey, we're going to do this. So basically what you do is it's it's the same as the auto cycle except you leave the intake valve is, open the auto cycle yeah is like your normal four cylinder oh, okay. or your four stroke yeah, standard okay, yeah, yeah. for gasoline and, and diesel engines mm-hmm. but you leave the intake valve open for a little bit longer and then what you do is you know as it's coming up for the compression stroke you're actually pushing air out mm-hmm. which normally you wouldn't want to do right. the engine's supercharged so you still have that pressure there and then the valve closes uh, you've overcharged the cylinder and then basically what happens is, uh, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong because I read like a Wikipedia article on this at like one in the morning. Was it yesterday? But yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> basically what happens is it's all compressed and then, uh, you're then expelling the air and fuel and then everything's fine, whatever it blows up. But what you get out of this is you get greater expansion because you're getting it out back into the intake track, mm-hmm. uh, which means that you're getting more cooling of the air fuel mixture without modifying the engine at all. Um, and then you can have, you know, it, it'll just burn better. Right. Uh, is super advanced timing. So, so with that, I guess I should back up when you have that cooler, uh, air charged in there, you can advance the timing a ton. So basically you're just getting a super efficient engine with lower emissions that puts out a good amount of power. They weren't they weren't like powerhouses by any means. They made 217 horsepower out of a 2.3 liter V6, but still they had way way they were way down on emissions and way up on fuel efficiency. Right, with just kind of a weird cool sort of thing. You know what's the little crappy Honda? Is it an Insight with a weird like wheel covers? Oh yeah, it's kind yeah. of like a Prius. So yeah, so does I it run remember- Atkinson cycle like a like a Prius does. I don't know what that is oh, either. Okay, I learned old car stuff. Cycle. All we, right. we do four stroke. That's yeah. all we know. <laughs> um, the, but those, I heard that they run on like a 30 to one air fuel ratio. Yeah. 
So I was wondering if that was like something weird cycle. Thing. It might forever. have to do with the Atkinson cycle, which is kind of similar where it leaves that open. And I think the big difference, I might be wrong on this, but I think the big difference between the Atkinson cycle and the Miller cycle is that on a Miller cycle engine, you have to have a supercharger, uh, either positive hmm. displacement or twin screw mm-hmm. so that you have that uh, constant yeah. pressure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Is there a reason that the Miller cycle is not used very often? I mean, what's the big drawback to it? Do you, or do you know any? Like, why is why are we not all running it? I don't know what the big drawback is. Um, I'll look into it, though, and I'll bring it up next, next episode. Probably something with like, right, awesome. cost and efficiency Probably. and something. Yeah. All right, and since we're on the topic of good engines and you guys were just talking about supercharging, I'm going to bring you to uh, what we have all been thinking, and I think Tony mentioned it earlier. 3,800 oh, supercharged. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now people do like uh, mods to these things where even the NA motors are pretty pretty freaking good. They're incredibly stout. Mine was at uh, 287, and the motor was still strong. The trans was still strong, but the rear of the car rusted out. Subframe uh, gave up, and uh, the trunk of the car actually hit the ground. It rusted through because Iowa. Um, but then we actually donated the engine and transmission to somebody that needed them. So there was almost 300K on them and somebody still wanted them because it was, I guarantee that thing's still on the road. Those things are insane. Uh, But the supercharged version um, gave it a little bit more power. Uh, It's like 240, I think. I think the later ones even went up to 270. That's that's pretty good output. Yeah. I mean, they're not an insane number. It's not anything to write home about, but it's it's a good number. And uh, I mean... At least, at least the car can get out of its own way with that yeah. kind of. And they're that big kind of power. cars too. Oh yeah, and they they went in the uh, the Bonneville, the Park Avenue, uh, the Grand Prix. Um, the, Re- there Regals was, had them too. Yep, the Regal, and then there was a longitudinal version uh, that went in the Camaro and the Firebird, but not with the supercharger. Yeah, not supercharged. They naturally aspirated. They should have. It's because the supercharger sucks out of the back, so it hit the firewall. One build that I really want to do is I really want to build like one of those open wheel cars just to rip it around the back roads because it'd be fun. And I always thought I've got a 914 sitting at home with the transaxle and I really want to mount a 3800 to that with the supercharger Mm -hmm. and have that as my open wheel car. If this takes off and we get some sponsorship opportunities, we're building an open wheel car. Frick yeah. I have an open wheel helmet. So yeah, yeah. I've got a motorcycle helmet. How much different is that? There's no laws when you're driving on a dirt road. <laughs> Hear me out. What if we did what if we did a top gear style? Can I use that word? Yeah. An op ear style. Yeah. What if we did that? Three guys competitively. We all build our own open wheel cars and compete them against <laughs> each other. This is a other. bad idea. This is a money pit. I do really want to <laughs> build we're a We're all Formula given v the car. same parts um, because I have uh, a background of racing cars and how to set up cars. I'm confident I could probably win that. Yeah, which is exactly why it'd be a completely open class thing. Yeah. It, I mean, if we all use the same parts, I don't know. Okay. Define open wheel because I'll take a freaking core, uh, not a core, uh, like a Cavalier or something. Just cut the wheel wells out. <laughs> well, then I'd be good at driving that thing. That's true. HHR. There you go. <laughs> the big o- open wheel HHR just saw- saws all the fenders <laughs> right off. Find a Veyron. Just cut all the bodywork off. <laughs> Frick it. 
Oh man. You need a good blade to go through all that carbon work. Oh I, man. I actually did find a Volkswagen bug that's cheap enough to where I'm like, man, I wouldn't feel bad cutting it up and mm. making a Formula V car. But at the same time, I don't want to spend all of my money for my engine on this car on a bug. Mm-hmm. So that's can, we not get, can we get really stupid and buy one of those like 20 horsepower engines that you can pick up at like a Harbor Freight and then just build a chassis out of like PVC pipe? All right. Like an open wheel and just he, like, I mean, I know one of us is going to get hurt from this, but we need to do it. Yeah, that'd he, be a lot of fun. Hear me that'd out. Be a ton of fun. I had talked to one of my friends before about doing this. Six and a half horse Predator. They're a hundred bucks at Harbor Freight. <laughs> well to frame. What? We Why are they so cheap? <laughs> that's too cheap. Because they're fun. That's why. That's too cheap. People don't need to have that accessibility to this. A six-year-old Chinese boy put this thing together for $3. It's there's a reason they're it, that cheap. Yeah. I mean, let's let's do it. However, build a frame. We were gonna get a a, a, a Walmart couch and put it on the frame so you could drive a couch on the street around town. Top speed five. You could walk faster than this. <laughs> five what? Five miles per hour? <laughs> five anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, five single, any the unit. This thing goes five. Well, especially. Five bananas a second. Especially <laughs> if you have awesome. three people on this full-size couch being powered by a six-horse Predator, it won't go very okay, fast. Okay, six-and-a-half-horse Predator, though, think that we just, like, uh, take, like, a very light metal, you know, do, like, one-inch bars hollow, uh, we could probably build an open wheel um, chassis and then put like not bicycle tires on it, but something thin. What what they use on like those like weird pedal bikes that you kind of lay down with. Or Essentially, a bike. Is that what they call them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, just put those on, you know, a very small chassis and just drive that thing around. I mean, who cares if it has lights? And we just make three of them uh, kind of set up a track with cones and then just like have like a big sign that says like formal pour. And then we'd all just Formula like, poor. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. We all just drive around like that. And you know what? The three of us, we could have a podium celebration no matter what you're on there. Okay. So <laughs> on Amazon, I think they're about three or 400 bucks. You can get a six horsepower engine with a three speed transmission. Manual or sequential? Manual. Like a motorcycle. Well, a sequential is still a manual, really. Yeah. Well, it, it's. I mean, like an H pattern manual. Oh, or, not an H oh. pattern. It would be just one, two, three. Yeah. But still, you have a clutch and everything, and then you could actually like really drive them. That would be amazing. I really well, want to buy is one. That a lot of sequentials one. use the clutch to get started, and after that, you just smack it, and it kind of just pops air into the well, thing real quick, and you shift clutchless. This Can is do that. No, this is like bare bones. This is like a Grom engine, so it would be very bare bones, but it would have a three-speed transmission, which means you could get more speed mm. and bigger sprocket in the back, more torque. Mm. Yeah. Be pretty badass. I really want to buy one of those engines just to build a car. Supercharge it. We 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 yes we could <laughs> do find it. a way. Uh, I'll turbo leaf, mine. Leaf blower. Leaf. You know what? I've I've heard the of the leaf blower supercharger. They did that Actually, on like uh, Roadkill or something like that. Yeah. But I feel like on this small of an engine, that might actually have some effect. Put, yeah. yeah, you put that on there, and then two leaf blowers on this like little formal car, and it'll actually look like the Ford Hawk, where it has like the exhaust that comes off the engine and points straight backwards. Okay, do that it, with leaf blowers. Imagine this: you take the two-stroke engine off the leaf blower and chain drive it to your axle. <laughs> <laughs> How redneck can we get? 
How fast can we get? That that's what the question should be. How fast can we go for a thousand dollars? Okay, so no joke. Not, not even five hundred bucks. How fast can we go? Not the little four hundred dollar engine with a transmission because four hundred dollars is a lot of money just to blow up right then and there. But a hundred dollar Briggs and Stratton, I'd hook a, a leaf blower up to that. Yeah, no, I would too. No doubt about it. Now I really want to buy one of these engines and get it onto like a little tube chassis. Just, the little leaf blower like trigger, just cable that into your throttle. No, no, no. I'm I'm talking like just chain just drive it. it right to it. Oh shit. Okay. Go really like janky redneck. Mm-hmm. This is a good idea. Okay. The only thing is that I, I just I, I got into my head is that like if we were to make like small like discount indie car like stuff um, right. where we use like six and a half horse engines, we race them together. Say that we had a spec like wheel like we all had to run the exact same wheel we all had to run the exact same engine and then it came down to like chassis or whatever for us to like compete um i just realized that my chassis is gonna have to be insanely long yeah <laughs> it'll be basically as big as the driver and i'm six foot three dalen's five foot seven so you're gonna have a a much shorter car but maybe maybe it can't steer i mean i i feel like we could get really competitive with this and it could it be a could. lot of fun yeah, this would, would make great content for our YouTube channel, yeah. which we have, by the way. Just, we do have a YouTube. We do channel? have a YouTube channel, and I'm working on getting us a website. Oh hell yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be that'd be amazing. I really think. Please donate to the cheap IndyCar project. Yes, <laughs> we'll we'll have a GoFundMe. Not really, because that's GoFund or Kickstarter, uh, Formula Kickstarter, Poor, Formula Poor. <laughs> uh, we we definitely for YouTube need to get. I mean, obviously, we need three laptops that could play it, but. Uh, whatever it's called automation. Yes, I think we could do a good automation game. If we just sit here and like we draw things out of a hat, like it has to be V8. It has to be, I was saying like luxury Mm. V8 front wheel drive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just pull things out of a hat for that. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be perfect. Luxury V8 front wheel drive. Yeah. So like a North star cars, North star Cadillac. I don't Luxury. I said that before you said good. The only thing I can think of is the Bonneville. Like a Lexus ES. How about the that's, uh, that's V8 front wheel drive? Oh no, um, the GS. I think you might have been able to get a V8. I don't know. I feel like the, there's uh, not a lot of cars no, in that not. category. There was one company. I don't remember what it was that made a front wheel drive sedan luxury car with a Ferrari 308 drivetrain in the front. <laughs> which not that that's a <laughs> that good would be car, awesome. but yes, it is awesome. I feel like this is something Maserati would do. Yes. However, I feel like it was a Carlton. And it was like a Lotus Carlton or something. Okay. Some stupid thing. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Do you have any other engines? I forgot everything I was going to Volkswagen Flat 4. We yeah. don't have to go into this one a whole lot, but that one's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what, one, what went in the Beetle? Flat like, 4, like a 1600 or like a 1200. They had a lot of different variations of it. I don't know a whole lot about them. I just it was know. like the same motors in the Type 2, the van, right? Right. Like, all I know is it's a very universal, like layout you can use it for just about anything and for what they were used for it was a pretty good setup yeah i drove that little buggy that duffy's has yeah, I think today. sweet it's just it's so lightweight i mean yeah. it's like fiberglass yeah it's it like weighs a fiberglass nothing. tub thing literally weighs nothing you let off the clutch the littlest bit and this thing just wants to go okay imagine that but in like a thousand pound open wheel not even thousand pound open wheel car yeah I yeah mean, that's what i want it'd be pretty quick and zippy yeah I think, sorry, I'm really stuck on this now. I think we could build an open wheel car that is 500 pounds. Yeah. I mean. Let's do it. 
what what's your power to weight ratio if you have okay say, say 500 pounds with driver okay so, so we're making a 300 pound car okay so 300 pound car we would need a very light engine the predator motor yeah what's that but, predator motor okay, weigh? like 50 pounds not a lot i had one on my mini bike um but problem with the predator motors you don't get a transmission and with a, without a transmission, it doesn't really matter yeah, how much you weigh really because it's, fast. yeah, that's true. That's why formula V would car, that, would that run straight to the axles then? You, you would change like, it straight that, to the axle. Is that like direct drive essentially? You would, yeah, it would be a chain drive. You could get a transmission, but that'd be overly complicated. Um, let me think. You'll have to send me the link to this one on Amazon because maybe that might be the way to go with that, the three speed. That would probably be the way. So on the... Predator motors, you can get a kit to bump them up, and it comes with a aluminum hemi head, a cam, and a like a new carburetor and stuff. And I think it bumps it up to twenty horsepower, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge jump over six and a half. Mm-hmm. And my mini bike with six and a half would really move. Yeah, but I because I I still think the Formula V car with the Volkswagen engine because you can get two hundred horsepower. I don't want to say easily, but you can get 200 horsepower out of that. Really? And it'll be like a thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's quite the power to weight. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Dalen and I saw Formula Four racing and. Are you saying four or Ford? Four. Okay. Cause. Quattro. Yeah. Quattro. Because our school had a Formula Ford car. Oh which, yeah. Which, there's, there's Formula Mazda, Formula Renault, I, Formula I do 2000, really like, 3000 Ford. I mean, there's so many different like. I really like the Formula Mazdas. Yeah. With the rotaries. Those things are. It's a 1.6 liter rotary or 1.4 like liter 1, rotary. 1.3. I think it's just a, I think it's yeah, just a bare yeah, stock. Yeah, I think it is a 1.3. It's pretty small. I think because the 1.3 is the normal one that came in the cars. And then the Formula V is kind of the same way where you don't soup up the engine hardly any. I think the Formula V cars only have like 60 horsepower. The ones that are legal to race. Mm-hmm. Same with the Formula uh, Mazdas. It's mostly just about chassis and driving and all that. Yeah. And the Formula 4 is, uh, those use a Honda engine and those things make like 130 horsepower. But Dale and I saw those things and uh, I mean, you see a pack of those things. That, oh, yeah. that motor, just because the car is so light, that motor hauls balls. I mean, it really, it really gets in and out of corners and they, they sound great and they get in and out of corners super quick. Um, these guys are at road America and I mean, I'm pretty sure that they were running flat out through the kink. Yeah. I mean, it didn't sound like there was any lifting or anything going on through there because we, we stood and watched like right from that corner. Mm-hmm. I, for a while wanted to build a little go-kart with a motorcycle engine in it. Cause you get the transmission and everything. And I was going to use a Kawasaki ZX six R from like mid two thousands. Cause they make 120 horsepower at 14,000 RPM and you can get them for like two grand. Like the whole bike. I would bike. love to just wow. drive an open wheel listening to that thing. 14,000. And it's a two cylinder. It's not even the four. Oh wow. So yeah, it's freaking crazy. Yeah, that is. Speaking of Honda engines, boys ever heard of the Honda CVCC? Oh, is that the two cylinder? No, isn't there oh. four cylinder cars? Uh, CVCC stands for compound vortex controlled combustion which doesn't make a lot of sense it's a vortex <laughs> it's a chevy vortex engine it, it is not oh that'd be cool uh, if it was it's it's kind of vague in the name mm-hmm. on purpose they applied for the patent or they 
then sorry, they announced all of this stuff in their new engines before they even had patents for it. So they couldn't really talk about what was in it. Right. But uh, it came in Civics, those old Civics, like the first gen Civics. Like 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They made 44 to 100 horsepower. That's in the later ones. And I mean, those Civics a, only weighed. That's a big jump. They only made, or they only weighed 1,300 pounds. So, I mean, that's, that's a good Dang. amount of engine for that car. Right. Uh, basically, the way that it worked was Honda was a pretty small company at the time. They didn't have a ton of money to create emission controlled things and whatnot. And that was the big thing in the 70s was, you know, everybody's cracking down on emissions. So in CVCC engines, there's a pre-chamber, which is where the intake valve is. And what happens is as air comes in, um, there's a spark plug also in that pre-chamber near that valve. And what happens is it it kind of pre-ignites in that valve and then spreads down into the combustion, uh, the combustion chamber. Um so basically, uh, that just takes care of uh, efficiency and emissions-related things. Mm-hmm. At the time, uh, the CEO of GM was like, oh, you know, that's that's kind of a junky thing. Like, it might work for a little toy Honda, but it's not going to work for anything that that we deal with here in America. Right. So Soichiro Honda bought a 1973, I believe it was at the time, a 73 Impala with a 5.7 liter. Okay. The 350. 350, yeah. And uh, he told his engineers, all right, take this entire intake off or take the head off and make a CVCC system for it. And they sent it back to America and had the EPA test it. And it produced lower emissions and uh, had better fuel economy than the 350. So it's kind of like a big frick you. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a cool story. Um, But, you know, it's got no cats. So you can run leaded fuel, which was mm-hmm. a lot cheaper and a lot more available at the time. Yeah. Kind of made sense. But then eventually it got kind of shut down in the 80s as mm-hmm. emissions got stricter. Yeah. But those engines, again, they're not like a crazy powerhouse, but it was a cool little workaround uh, to deal with emissions and, and efficiency. So I've heard, once again, I don't know a whole lot about this. Some of the Hondas back in the 70s, they had a two-cylinder engine. And both cylinders were on the same stroke. They moved with each other oh, instead yeah. of being opposite. I think this is the N600 or whatever, their first little car. There's no way this thing was balanced. Yeah, that well, that was a problem. They just shook. They just shook like <laughs> crazy because they just... <laughs> there's Yo nothing counter at Yo and I were talking it. one time. Imagine a concept... Um, of a V8 where all eight cylinders fire at the same time. Oh, my <laughs> You'd have Lord. to, like, combine them on some sort of shaft together and then run it so that, like... The crank is just one big counterweight that swings around and it just kind of lifts and lowers all eight cylinders at the same time. Could you imagine the exhaust? <laughs> just boom, boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> It'd have to be two cranks, wouldn't it? For them all to be up at the same time. You'd have to create some sort of lifter system that it yeah. allows it to. Unless you just chain two cranks together. Yeah, yeah, that and I, I can imagine that. that you'd turn the key over, and then as like soon as you put it in gear, it just fire that one time and it just bend the drive shaft. <laughs> oh my lord! Especially but, if it was like a high output V8 and not like a 305. High output, <laughs> be like a hundred horsepower. This is gonna be our next project as joyrides. We're gonna make a V8 that all every cylinder fires at the same time. Oh jeez. It would really, really make it easy to get like ignition timing. Oh yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you know, have to figure absolutely. anything out. Yeah, F- fuel injection. Yeah, it, even yeah, an idiot can figure out fuel injection. 
all. (laughs) (laughs) One spark plug. It's just a torch that just shoots into a combustion. <laughs> we take the CVCC a, a. thing. There's a, there's actually a spark plug uh, up near where the fuel injector is because I'm assuming if we have one spark plug, we also have one <laughs> fuel injector that feeds everything. All it's right, just, it's just a the fire entire hose of intake, fuel just blasting in the there. The intake manifold also is where combustion takes place. It <laughs> spreads down into the cylinder. Okay. Start the car and it just crack the manifold immediately. <laughs> Hear me out. We heat the whole head till it's glowing. No spark plug. It just does its own thing. You have to preheat. <laughs> you let the car heat up for like 10 minutes and then you're like, yep, time to go. You put it in gear and things just break. Driving your that car is awesome. as inconvenient as like baking a pie. And you thought this it. Lotus engine was unreliable. <laughs> Better idea. What's what's the biggest one cylinder engine we can make? Like imagine like a four liter one cylinder where the pistons just like a pizza pan just going up and down. Oh my lord. The thing would shake every bolt. <laughs> Have you ever going kind of going amazing. back to our like good and bad engines? Have you ever heard of a twin single cylinder engine? Oh, is this where they come together in the middle? No, but that, be a those box cool. or two. No, so, well, because the in a boxer they go apart from each other. Right. right. There are engines where the compression happens. The diesel engines they go the together, and so you get together. crazy mm-hmm. uh, compression. But this twin single, also called a twingle, if you want to be like cool, and they should hip. put the twingle in the twingo. Twingle and a twingo would be pretty good. Dibs on that band name. Uh, Sounds like an album. Twingle. Anyways, so the twingle is a two-stroke engine before they really had like turbo and supercharging kind of like capabilities. And it's one cylinder split in the middle with a divider and two pistons in it. So one piston does all your compression like a supercharger and then feeds into the other one. Interesting. I feel like I have um, heard of this concept or seen like some sort of graphic on how it works. but yeah, uh, they weren't very popular. Well, yeah, but it's just why would you do that? I mean, it's cheap. What about that Honda motorcycle engine with the long cylinder? Oh yeah, I've seen that. Or it's like an oval. Mm-hmm. You know what the point of that was? Uh, it was to fit. They couldn't do like a V eight, right? Yeah, the for some race they were limited to a four cylinder. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, we'll make a V eight and just cut out in between the cylinders and just double. And like they had two spark plugs, two fuel injectors. It was just a V eight with the middle of each cylinder cut out mm-hmm. to be a four cylinder. Yeah, I've seen that. It's just like each cylinder is a freaking bathtub. Yeah, which and there's two connecting, rods which makes too. it yeah. a V four. Yeah, right. Which are not common at all. No, they're not. Launcha made a V4. Really? Yeah, way back when. Some garbage. I don't know. <laughs> you mean a Launcha? <laughs> a Launcha that wasn't a race car is garbage. Right. Yeah. But they look cool. They look really cool. They're like Alfa Romeo. Like they look really cool while you're waiting for the tow truck. Right. It, it's good. It's something to look at while you're sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. Death Valley. Alpha's bringing back a couple of their old cars. They're making, uh, they're making a coupe now. Yeah, I wish the Julia had a coupe version, and they did like the roof it basically line of the looks one series. Like a Julia coupe. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of what it's called. I Could can't you imagine remember. like roof line of the one series, except it's a Julia coupe? Mm-hmm. That'd be great. That thing would they, be awesome. They need a new GTV6 for no reason at all, other than just GTV6s are kind of cool. 
Can you look up what the new Alfa Romeo coupe is? Yeah, I'll do just that real quick. I'm curious. Also, I, I think it's it. I think they're using like a historic name, like bringing back a nameplate. Also, GTV6 was uh it was the what Alfa Romeo like Alfetta, some weird mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. with twin turbos, and that was done by uh or one turbo maybe it was done by Callaway before they really? did Corvettes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a big name. Yeah. They also did a Callaway at one point did a. Uh, Mazda protege. Yeah. Not a millennia. Not a millennia. No. Did you find that thing? Uh, plans for new Alfa Romeo GTV and 8C supercar have been shelved. I was right. Alfa Romeo will no longer be introducing two new performance models you by 2022. 8C was the other one? Yes. Okay, cool. That Those sucks. Cool. Yeah, but this statement says that that is not happening. They have canceled it because they want to focus on SUVs. And electric. Like That's every other country. I would, I would like a company. new 8C. Yeah, the that would 8C be would be, cool. the GTV would be really cool. Yeah. But you know what? Stellantis. I don't know what that is. Stellantis it's, is uh, that FCA. major merger. Atlantis? Between- <laughs> Atlantis. No, Stellantis is uh, FCA and Peugeot. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, it's PSA and FCA. So PSA was like all the French companies mm-hmm. and Peugeot seat. No, no, PSA was just like, it's, it's not doesn't stand for any. I think it's Peugeot is like the first one, but it's not like a bunch of brands. I, I know, but like, um, don't they own Seat? Seat Spanish. Yeah. Seat. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yeah, to, I don't say, know how to say it either. Weird. I just I don't know. Seat, other than dumb hatchbacks, <laughs> right? So. I only know the ones on Forza, and they're all yellow on yeah. Forza. Um, all I know, Fiat is just going to take over the world. Oh yeah, the yeah. the they're the new Absolutely. Volkswagen. Yeah, they're the new superpower. Yeah. Yeah. What if it's pronounced Seat? It might be Seat. Imagine like a Fiat, Fiat. versus Seat. Fiat, like Fiat. Fiat versus Seat. We're doing that There's now. That's going to be a Ford versus Ferrari another thing for our YouTube. like a quarter Fiat of the speed. Fiat versus Seat. Because <laughs> you know they all make, they probably make like a 1.1 liter four cylinder for overseas. Yeah. yeah. Just import yep. them and just yeah. race them. You guys have seen like Ford versus Ferrari, the movie yeah. where it's like Le Mans and they're racing. And then you have like Fiat versus Seat. This and it's people like with 60 trying. horsepower going to the grocery store. So it's Italians <laughs> and Spaniards getting in a fist fight. It's, it's two cars. Cars like parallel parking next to each other, like yeah. showing off. They their, both have a wheelbase of 32 inches. <laughs> who could fit the biggest walker in the back? Oh my lord. One of Troy's recommendations for me, he Troy was the guy who gave gave me all the notes. He's a picture like guy. What to, sh- what the to do. Photographer, I guess, is the proper word. Yeah. Oh, photographer. Okay. Okay. He Thanks, really Troy. liked how we picture just cut guy. out it like mid sentence, <laughs> mid word. He said he actually liked that and we should continue to do that. <laughs> I noticed uh, I was like listening to the thing or whatever. And there was a part where uh, I don't even remember what happened, but like something, something stupid, like some stupid comment was made. And Tony was laughing. It was like, haha. And then it just cut out to you going, Oh hey, so anyway, I was just <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was a point where I can't remember what it was. The conversation took a huge turn there. Yeah, I was like, like, I can't. Like, I, I was care. like, I can't include it. this in the episode. <laughs> like, it just it wouldn't make sense. Just cut it right in the middle of Tony yeah. talking. Right. No, there. but at the end where you were like, yeah, you should just cut it off mid sent <laughs> and I did. <laughs> it just ended there. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Wait, you tell me he listened to the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, awesome. It's like an hour and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Troy's his best. Yeah. What a cool guy. Hopefully, he enjoys this episode. Uh, I don't know Troy yet, um, but thank you. He says he wants to meet you. He should. 
Yeah, he says cool. you sound like a cool guy. I am cool. Wait, I promise. Troy can be our first guest. Yeah, I was actually talking to him about that. He, oh yeah. Well, yeah, because he, he can come in and talk he, about like how to take good pictures of your car. Because yeah. there's a lot of times people will be like, "Check out my ride." Check out and my ride, and they're using the fucking wide angle lens, and they're like right <laughs> up on the badge, and you can see the whole car, but it looks like a goddamn it, whale. It looks like, <laughs> it's just absolutely blown it out. Looks like a Limp Biscuit music video. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a fisheye lens and big red pants. Fred Durst is just there. You got all the members of 311 standing behind your car and you're just like, check it out. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was one of the first people I told about the podcast. And oh, he yeah. was like, oh yeah, that's cool. He was like, you ever maybe plan on having guests? So I was like, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get the ropes, get a feel for things. And then maybe like episode 10, we'll have a guest, whatever. But yeah, I'd like to have him on. That's oh, like absolutely. He seems like a cool he's guy. Just, he's just a cool guy. He's super easy to get along with. Yeah. He's driven HHR. He owned an HHR. Yeah. He's uh, got a Nova now. Yeah. He's got a lifted Subaru Outback. <laughs> I, I got to bring up something uh, funny since um, Dirt Nationals are coming up. Uh, I know you guys aren't super into local, you know, short track racing, but Dirt Nationals are coming up. And so IMCA keeps posting like, they'll post like going to nationals and it'll have like a very professional picture of like people that enter and it has like their name and their age or whatever. Some guy, the picture he submitted was a picture that got taken of his car mid roll. So it says like going to nationals, it's car upside down on the high <laughs> side. <laughs> and then there's just dirt flying everywhere. And people just kept commenting, go emojis. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that was so funny. I was just like, why? So, uh, I think that's the end of this episode. Yeah. I need to get going. Uh, I race on Saturday and I got to get my car set up for that. So got to go do that. Cool. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Or watching. Oh yeah. Got a nice, hopefully the, the the camera's actually made it through this. Uh, it has, I I can see in the reflection of the glass. It has. Oh, Oh, okay. Cool. From where I'm sitting, I can't see that, but yeah. All right. Well, I guess <laughs> the way this guy was staring at it tells me it's still on. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. as per Troy's suggestion, uh, I think we'll just end this mid-scent.